Welcome to the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. What's the left for Gerald? Just showed up. It's nice. Look. I'm your moderator, Dylan Purcell. I'm the sports editor of the Lethbridge Herald. And I, I just need you all to be aware the session's being recorded, not just by Shaw, but these microphones are being recorded. This is all going to be put on the internet later. So reserve your cursing, and if you break a glass, it's going to be picked up by the microphones. So do that at your own risk. Lunch. Lunch costs 11 bucks. 11 bucks, that money can be placed in the basket on your table. I need one person from each table to make sure the right amount of money is collected, any scoff laws can be reported to that Danish guy at the back. <laughs> we'll collect the money before lunch is served, don't worry. Sackpaw, after all, is a non-profit. Uh, our presentation today will take 25 to 30 minutes. I I'm sure it will take the full 30 minutes. Not a moment longer. The last time I moderated, we went a little long. I got in trouble. It was ugly. Then we eat, then we ask questions, then we all head home well-fed and hopefully a little smarter at 1.30 on the button. Now, today's presentation, let's face it, we've all wanted to smack a child at one point, probably because the little buggers are so smackable. But while a parent has the right in Canada to use reasonable force on their children, there's a lot of research that indicates that it's not only a poor parenting tactic, but it also leads you down a slippery slope. Today's presenter, Petra DeBoe, she has been educating parents in various roles for 15 years and has been at the Family Center here in Lethbridge for the past three years. In her role there, she supports parents, works with parent groups, and supports Triple P, Positive Parenting Program, is that right? Practitioners, I can't say Positive Parenting Program practitioners, in the area. She's got a bachelor's degree in Child and Youth Studies from the University of Uppsala in Sweden. That's the best I can do for a Swedish pronunciation, I'm done. <laughs> She's going to come up here, she's going to discuss Canada's spanking laws, the effect of physical discipline on children, some of the research that's gone into the topic, and without any further rambling from here, for me, here she is, Petra DeVault. Some of the research, and I'm going to be uh, 
Some of the research that I have looked at uh, is from the ACEs. I don't know how many people are familiar with that. That is the Adverse Child Ex Experience Study, which is one of the largest studies that is looking at trauma, uh, childhood trauma, and the implication it has on um, adulthood, or when the child becomes an adult. So uh, physical abuse is the number one reason for childhood trauma. And they, they have about 10 different categories that they're looking at. So, and, and then we're looking at the, the risk of escalation. So when a parent is choosing to use physical punishment as a discipline technique, the chances of them escalating to a more abusive form of discipline is four, more, four times more likely. So using unreasonable force rather than the reasonable force. And then Statistics Canada <clears throat> and many other researchers have looked at um, how many par parents in Canada are actually uh, using physical punishment. And Perrin Lee and La Roche, as well as Statistics Canada, have come to the conclusion that it's 25% of uh, Canadian parents are using physical punishment, uh, physical punishment in children 2 to 11 years of age. The good news is that in 1994, they were 50%. So we're coming to a decline, and hopefully, uh, well, this was done in 2009. Uh, so hopefully today at 2016, we're are seeing some um, chan positive changes again. Oh, I need to take some water. This is nerve-wracking. <laughs> you look fine. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, then we're looking at uh, some researchers have found that parents who are using physical punishment uh, as a discipline form are um, stating that their children have worse behaviors, so more problem behaviors. The question is, is problem behaviors causing parents to spank or is the spanking causing the children to misbehave? We, we know for a fact that parents who do uh, report that they are using spanking are uh, saying that their children have much bigger uh, problem behaviors than um, parents who don't um, claim to use uh, physical punishment as a disciplining form. But again, the question is how much how much is, is this, how much is the spanking causing the uh, negative behaviors? And then, uh, as of today, there are no studies out there that are reliable that is showing that physical discipline is, um, enhances development, de developmental health in children, long-term or short-term. And the only thing that we really know about using spanking is that, yeah, it does show uh, some immediate effects on the child. The child stops the behavior, but it doesn't teach the child to, to do anything other than what they did. So the behavior is most likely to happen again, maybe not today, but in a couple of days. So that's, um, that's that. Um, United Nations, I don't know, uh, I put in my abstract, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, back in uh, 2012, 
I don't know if anybody is following the United Nations and the rights of the child, but in 2012, at the 10-year review, Canada was um, actually um, kind of put into some bad uh, tone because they were almost asked to leave the United Nations, and that was because they were not uh, they were not um, meeting the needs or meeting the standards of um, the the of the rights of the child. Um, so they are suggesting that uh, corporal punishment and, and fiscal discipline should be not used and that as a key strategy for reducing and preventing all forms of violence in society. I have lots of information on the ACES, um, ACES study if anybody is interested afterwards to ask some questions about that. Okay, so what does spanking do to our children's brain? So this is uh, taken from, uh, most of this is from, taken from Daniel Siegel and Tina Payne. They're a research couple and have written numerous books on uh, how to parent and done a lot of research. So uh, spanking, in their opinion, and a lot of other researchers, but I'm just happen to naming them, is uh, it's it's supposed to be counterproductive and when we're looking at the, the the building a respectful relationship we some parents are saying that they want they're using spanking because they want respect from their child but this is actually not the case we're making um, no efforts in building a relationship respectful relationship when we are using spanking and uh, if we're looking at the, the brain development, so spanking is absolutely not um, making any positive impact on the child's uh, brain development. It is also counterproductive in the sense of that we're shifting the attention of the child's behavior uh, to the behavior of the adult. So the child, now instead of focusing on what I did wrong, they are focusing on what the parent is doing to them, the spanking. So it's, again, counterproductive in that way. Lots of parents are um, claiming that, but I'll, I'll do spanking with love and nurturing. But again, there is no research that shows that that makes any difference at all. If you're doing it out of anger or out of love, they have the same negative outcomes. And um, and loss of brain growth. <clears throat> when a caregiver uh, inflicting uh, pain or fear, which you do when you do use spanking, the child senses some fear and pain. Uh, that's the whole point of it. Uh, when the caregiver, who is supposed to be the safe and secure person, is doing that to the child, there are happening there. Confusion happening in the brain, and we call this a disorganized attachment. So what really is happening is that the, um, the, the brain is becoming disorganized in its functioning. And uh, we can sometimes look at this at um, the, the reptile brain and the more um, wise, sophisticated brain, there is no connection. So there's a loss of connection between the two, two brains. And this causes a lot of confusion, confusion for the child. And uh, this is also related to executive functioning, which is, is a core skill that children need to have. It's a social skill, but 
uh, when that uh, when there's dysfunction in the brain or um, excuse me disorganized attachment that the executive functioning skills are not uh, developing as much in the child and they do need them for school that's the number one um, skill that a child needs to be successful in school um, <clears throat> so there's a question there on the end and this is coming from Tina and uh, and Daniel do we really want to teach our children that the way to resolve a conflict is to inflict physical pain particularly on someone who is defenseless and cannot fight back so that's the question do we, is that really the message we want to give our children all right so here here are some stats on what the implication has on childhood when you're being spanked and this uh, research come from Gershoff, I think you pronounce it, and he looked at 88 studies on spanking. So this is a huge uh, compilation of, uh, of all these different studies. So the implication it has on childhood is more aggression. So children who are spanked are more aggressive. They are less verbal because they're not uh, developing the verbal skills that they need. There are more delinquency and antisocial behaviors. And there is a lack of integration in the brain and that executive functioning skill is not being developed and there is more mental health issues so I was talking about the ACEs that are looking at childhood trauma and then the, the outcomes it has for adults so children who are going through any form of trauma or uh, being uh, physically punished have more likely to have addictions mental health issues and health problems such as diabetes, heart attacks, uh, any physical illnesses and there's, they're usually more likely to have physical violence within their family unit and uh, dysfunction. <coughs> if anybody is uh, interested in looking at the executive functioning skills that I'm talking about, uh, Alberta Health and Alberta Family Health and Wellness on their website they have uh, four really uh, amazing videos that are meant to be used for families um, but one is on executive functioning <clears throat> all right so let's uh, start looking at the the things that we can do instead so let's reframe the whole uh, spanking to a more positive uh, outcome so the definition of discipline is originally from the, the root word disciplinaire which means to teach and or instruct so if we really have that in mind when we're thinking about uh, disciplining our children if we have a different look at it right if we want to teach them something we have to do more than just a smack on the bum <clears throat> I love this quote I use it quite often so this is about children learning to be learning to do learning to learn and learning to live together should be considered as critical element in the journey of each child toward human and social development so it's about learning we are the parents and our job is to teach them um, the moments use the moments to teach them new skills <clears throat> So we have um, some different parenting styles that have been identified. Um, so these have been around for, for many, many years, since the 60s. 
um, but they're still being used and there's continuously being uh, researched on the best forms of the different parenting styles. But the, to um, summarize them, there, we have the permissive parenting style, the authoritarian parenting style, and the authoritative parenting style. So the permissive parenting style, it's nurturing and warm, which children need, which is great. But then the permissive parent is more reluctant to impose limits and rules, which children also need. So without rules, children get confused and they don't know how to act and are more likely to act out and, uh, and uh, in, in the home and in society. Uh, and permissive parents uh, usually let their children regulate themselves. So they're being left to solve their own problems without that guiding, without that teaching moment. So there, there is no, there, that teaching moment is lost. And then we have the authoritarian parenting, which is little nurturing, lots of psychological control. It's more of a controlling, coming from the above, as an, uh, well, as the word, authoritarian. So they don't encourage verbal give and take. There is no dialogue. There is no learning opportunity. There is no um, back and forth. With, we also know that back and forth is serve and return with the when we're talking about brain development, it's really, really important. Um, <clears throat> they are uh, obedient and status-oriented and expect their orders to be obeyed without question. So there's no, there's no moment for the child to, um, to learn to do, um, compromise, I guess. There's no compromise. And they tend to control the children through shaming or removing of love, I'm not talking to you, um, or experiences. You don't get to go to the party because you misbehave. Um, and then they, they attempt to explain the reasons, don't attempt to explain the reasons for the rules, if they do have rules. So it's just like, you should just know, or because I say so. <clears throat> and then we have the authoritative parenting style and it's about setting limits reasoning with a child and being responsive to their emotional needs and this is I think it's a, the biggest difference is that being responsive to their emotional needs so the authoritative uh, parenting is linked to the most uh, successful child outcomes and children raised by authoritative authoritative parents are more, more likely to become independent, self-reliant, socially accepted, and have that executive functioning skill, academically uh, successful, and more well-behaved. And they're less likely to report things like depression and anxiety, and are less likely to engage in antisocial behaviors. <clears throat> And uh, research shows that even if a child only has one parent that has this uh, positive parenting style, they have better outcomes. So it's not, both parents don't necessarily have to have that style. <coughs> All right, uh, now I'm getting into the things that we can do, uh, but I first wanna talk about um, some parent traps that we often get into and are often the reason why children are getting into trouble, troublesome behaviors or misbehaving. So the first one is accidental rewards. 
I'm sure a lot of you have done them in the past. I know I have for sure. So accidental rewards is when we accidentally are rewarding a behavior that we don't that we don't like. So for example, um, if our uh, children are fighting, sibling fighting, for example, and we are constantly there telling them, don't fight, don't fight, don't fight, don't fight, and not giving them any skills, but just constantly talk or even spanking them for it, um, we're giving that behavior a lot of attention. And we all know that children thrive on attention. The behaviors that, are get, that will get the attention will continue. So uh, accidental rewards can also be a child um, asking for something at the grocery store and you say no, 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 and then you just are so sick of hearing that, so you say, okay, sure, but shut up. Oh, sorry. Uh, that, that is also an accidental reward. The, this, the second trap is ignoring desirable behaviors. So as I said earlier, children thrive on attention. So if we're, if we're forgetting to give them attention for the, for the behaviors that we like, they uh, are gonna, you know, see well, well, there's no point in doing this because I'm not getting attention from that. I better go hit my brother because then I get some attention. And another one is watching parents' bad habits. So we are the role models, we are there to teach them. Uh, if we are talking to our friends or our spouse in a, a rudely manner, they will talk the same. Or if we are swearing, if we're, whatever we're doing, they will be doing. So um, think about how you behave around your children. The escalation trap is another one, and that can go for both, ch for both child and adult. So it's when we are asking our child to do something and we are escalating until the time point we're screaming and then the child actually goes and does it. So we are thinking, hey, the only way I can get my child's attention is to scream. Um, which is not true, we'll be talking about that later. If we're just using clear, calm instructions, the child will be more likely to, to listen. The escalation trap goes for the child too. They will nag and nag and nag and nag until we just, you know, and they finally they're, they're um, uh, screaming or just so upset that we give in because we just can't handle it. And the child is learning, hey, I have to escalate. I have to really show my emotions and to be really angry and frustrated and then I'll get it. Another, uh, the other uh, parent trap is inconsistency. So ineffective use of consequences. When we don't have a plan, when we do one thing one day, the another thing the next day, the child has no idea what the outcomes is of hitting, choosing to hit your brother. Another one is how unhelpful beliefs. Uh, so that is meaning that we think it's just a phase. If I just ignore it, it will go away. Or uh, thinking that um, it's the child, or that my child is, is just bad having those kind of unhelpful beliefs, rather than thinking of what is my, what is my um, job in here. Emotional messages, so really focusing on uh, all the negatives and uh, talking about your own problems too much uh, with a child, and also focusing on the, the child being a problem rather than the behavior being a problem, is another emotional messages. And then the last one, toxic stress environment. Um, toxic stress could be things like watching um, family violence, 
a lot of yelling and screaming, uh, um, parents having uh, substance abuse, those kind of things. If you want to know more about toxic stress and what that does to your brain, brain again, Family, Alberta Family Health and Wellness does have a, a fantastic video on that topic. So um, it was mentioned that I am the uh, Triple P Positive Parenting Coordinator for our region. So I brought in some strategies from that program. It is a well-researched program. It has about 30 years of research behind it. Actually, these parent traps came from that program too. So the Positive Parenting Program started in Australia and has developed since. It's used in about 29 different countries in the world and with many different uh, types of parents. And it has, um, um, yeah, as I said, it has a lot of research that actually works. And Cindy and I had the uh, fine opportunity to go to Banff and uh, meet Matt Sanders, who's behind it, and all of his colleagues who are continuously working on proving the benefits of this program in research. Okay, so, the positive parenting uh, strategies are, these are kind of the core elements that you have to do before you do anything else. So the first one is ensuring a safe, interesting environment. Basically meaning um, when our children are young, so we don't put plugs, five minutes, okay. Um, put, yeah, make sure this environment is safe. So younger children, you know all that babysitting when they get older, knowing where they're at, who they're with, and what they're doing, and then having an interesting environment so uh, children who are busy are less likely to get into problem behaviors, and then creating a positive learning environment. So basically being there for your child when your child approaches you, that's when their brain is open for learning. Take that moment when they approach you, want to share, show something to you, take it and uh, um, take that opportunity for that moment uh, to learn. Uh, the third one is having assertive discipline, so authoritative parenting, having a plan, being consistent, being decisive, and being fair. The other one is creating re realistic expectations, so where's my child developmentally, what are my limits as a parent, how much support do I have, will I actually be able to follow through with this consequence, you know, those kind of asking yourself some questions where, where um, so you make sure you have realistic expectations. Most important, get support, take care of yourself. Without support, uh, you're not gonna be successful. It takes a lot of work, and it's the hardest job out there to raise a child. And as you all know, the familiar statement, it takes a, right, a village to raise a child. And then the, the sixth component is get to know your child and um, observe behaviors, identify the antecedents of what happened before this behavior, what happened after? What did I do? What caused this? So kind of ask you some questions. What could I have, as a parent, have done differently in this scenario to prevent my child from having this struggle? I was going to talk about uh, the ABC of behavior, but I think I'm going to skip that. What I just mentioned is what's kind of the, the ABC of behavior. So you're looking at the antecedents, you're looking at the consequences, and then asking yourself, could I have done something to prevent this behavior? So the a stress behavior is a behavior that you could have prevented as a caregiver or the environment. 
So the, there are two components to um, encourage or parent, positive parenting. So the first one is encouraging behaviors we like, and the other one is managing misbehaviors. And before we even get to the managing misbehaviors, we really need to focus on the behaviors or the strategies that encourage uh, the behaviors that we like. So these are some, I only have two more minutes, so I'm just quickly going to go over them. But they kind of go in hierarchy too. So you start with, if you don't have a relationship, you need to start there. Develop a positive relationship, spending quality time with your child, connect with them, get to know them. Communicate and show your child, and listen, and show affection, lots of physical affection. I guess for the whole, uh, that gets harder as the child grows and gets older, but you still, it's still important. And then the second component is encouraging the behaviors or the desirable behaviors. So praise. I can't say enough about praise. We need to praise, 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 and be kind of a detective on those behaviors that we like. If there's lots of misbehaviors, Try to find that magnifying glass and find those good behaviors and praise. Lots of positive attention, so time in, connecting. Plan age-appropriate activities, as I said earlier. Busy children are less likely to get into trouble. And then set routine and schedules. <laughs> children thrive on routine and schedules. It, it's pre predictable, it makes them feel safe. Um, and the, set, the third component is teaching new skills and behaviors. So when a child, we have to remember they're learning. They don't know everything. So we have to teach them those new skills. If they don't know how to play nicely with brother, it's our job to help them to teach them to, to, to do that skill better. So role model, lots of role modeling. Being patient and remember that the child is learning still. They are, they're still learning, so we need to show them. Ask, say, do is a... Um, a strategy, basically you, <laughs> you ask if the child knows how to do it, if they don't, then you say it, and then you ask the child to do it. Uh, incidental teaching is when the child approaches you, takes that moment, and rewards. Privileges, behavior contracts, and uh, charts are for those skills that they are having a struggle with to learn. All right. One more. Okay, this is the last slide. Yeah, this is the last slide. So then we're coming to managing the behaviors we don't like. So again, remember these are only to be used if you have done all the all the strategies to encourage uh, the behaviors you like. Well, a few of them. Giving clear calm instructions, you can do at any time. So that's really really time. That's really really important. And I have highlighted the, the calmness because that is really, really important that we are calm. calm. We go through different zones of regulation uh, throughout the day and uh, when we are in a heightened, heightened alert state, we are not making any sense and, the, and we're not, um, so that's when we are angry, frustrated, those kind of things. So we have to be calm when we're giving the instructions. Planned ignoring, ignore the behaviors. The minor behaviors that you don't like, and just focus on the positive. You can use diversions to another activity. If their child is doing something that you don't like, just swoop them and put their attention to something else. Give choices. Give lots of choices. So do, would you like to wear the blue pants or the red pants? Um, set clear rules. Sometimes we uh, forget that children actually don't know how to behave. So unless they have really clear rules, 
how are they going to know what to what to do, right? So we, it's our job again to set those rules. This is what I expect from you, and if you can't do this, you're choosing this consequence. Um, and then take a moment uh, to discuss with the child. So what went wrong? What, why did you choose to do this? What can we do differently next time? And have a dialogue with the child, and then practice that. So if they're struggling with being nice to the to the cat. You practice, okay, so you chose to pull the hair. Well, that hurts. How can you, if you want to interact with him next time, how can you do that? And then logical consequences, uh, which is removing um, a privilege, basically, uh, if it's related to what they were doing. So if, uh, for example, to um, children fighting about the computer, the computer would be removed for a short amount of time and then you would return it back to them and uh, hopefully praise the students they're behaving. And then you can use quiet time and time out, uh, either for yourself, because sometimes I think the parents need the time out more than the child. Um, so those are also to just remove yourself from the, the, the situation so you have a chance to regulate and get calm. And then the last one, to really listen when our children are upset or angry. Uh, to really listen to them, acknowledge what it is that they're saying, validate the feeling. Yeah, it is okay that you're angry. I understand that you're angry that you can't play with that car, but um, we can't hit. So it, it's the behavior that's wrong, but not the feeling. So listen, acknowledge, validate, and name the feeling. Thank you.